You are listening to the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly on the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com forward slash 1830 Podcast Network for more information. Hello and welcome to the 1830 Podcast Network. My name is Tony McIndoo. And I have a very special guest tonight that uh, is in his own place. I'm in my own place. So we are definitely abiding by the shelter in and the quarantine rules. So um, without further ado, I have Gary Jacobson here with me. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Tony. Thank you. Great. It's good to hear that. So this is going to be a little different for you and I because I've known you for quite some time. I think I was about 12 years old when we met. Um, and ever since we've been hanging out, Every time we make a decision to hang out, we always start talking about, well, what are we going to eat when we hang out? So okay. I consider myself a foodie, and I know that you're a foodie as well. So this is going to be a different, a different type of thing here because Gary already ate, I already ate, so we're not going to have a, a meal to talk about right now. But um, just if that does come up in the podcast, I do apologize, but food might come up every once in a while. So um, let's go ahead and start with this here. Uh, Gary, why don't you go ahead and tell your Tell us about uh, where you came from originally, like where, uh, where you grew up. I grew up in just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I said Illinois, but it's not Illinois. It's a, <laughs> and uh, it was a suburb. It's Bensonville, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, uh, right next to O'Hara Airport. We literally lived at the end of the runway practically. Okay, great. So uh, it's kind of funny because I grew up in Phoenix. And I'm currently living in Chicago, Illinois, and you go up in Chicago, Illinois, and you are living in Phoenix right now. So we're kind of, kind of flip-flopping here. So, um, uh, you grew up in outside of Chicago. Uh, what brought you to Phoenix actually? Um, can I say a little something prior to that? Sure. So an interesting little tidbit on that. And with Chicago, um, I went to an elementary school there. It was Mohawk was the name of the elementary school. And it turns out that that's actually the street I live on out here in Phoenix. And I grew up next to an airport in Chicago and just outside of Chicago. And I work at an airport here in Phoenix. Kind of interesting how the Lord works and does those things in your life. Oh, cool. That's cool. So that's how you kind of, you can kind of see the differences and the similarities between where you are and, and, uh, what, what you're doing right now. So uh, let's jump it back into that. So what, what age and what brought you out here to Phoenix? Cause I actually don't know this answer myself. So it was kind of interesting to me. So I was about 11 years old and, you know, I basically grew up in a household that had worldly, worldly parents and uh, my mom and dad were struggling um, pretty much most of my life as I can remember back as a child. And my mom uh, and dad got a divorce and um, came out here because my grandparents actually moved out here as part of their retirement. Um, they got tired of cold weather. Uh, my grandpa had two artificial hips. So during the winter, his hips would be really sore. So they came down here to Phoenix, checked it out and uh, moved down here in the late seventies. And then we were soon to follow when I was 11, 12 years old and uh, came out here lived with them for a little while and then got established. And, you know, that was the start of all of it. That's cool. Yeah, that's I was when I was prepping for this, I was like, I wonder what what brought Gary out here. So that's cool to know because I remember um when I first met you a long time ago, it was we were working at um Bill Malone's shop of Auntie 
and and I remember you and you were the you were driving around in your your Ford Probe and talking about going to the lake and um, always going and doing extreme sports. So I kind of remember that, but I always remember you talking about the food from Chicago. Oh, and yeah. I was kind of I was always like, man, that guy sure does love food a lot, and he's always talking about Chicago. How good can the food in Chicago really be? And <laughs> and after I've been here for about a year now and I, you were telling the truth to the, the food in Chicago hits differently for sure. Yeah, it's definitely some of the best stuff you'll ever have in your life. I love it. Every time I go back, I look forward to the pizza, the thin crust pizza and uh, the euros and the Italian beef sandwiches and the combos, the hot dogs, you name it. Oh man, I miss it. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely is different. And I was uh, thinking the thin crust Chicago pizza doesn't get, doesn't get the uh the play that the deep dish is everybody talked about the chicago deep dish the thin crust is the thin crust is better for me i i like the thin crust here in chicago better than the deep dish yeah it's phenomenal that's what i grew up on uh we ate at a pizza place it was called white cottage it was off of irving park road and every friday night my dad would always bring home a thin crust pizza with extra sauce double the cheese and sausage and it was interesting back then they actually um when they when they sold pizzas to you, they didn't come in a box. They actually came on a piece of cardboard and they would take a paper bag and they put a paper bag over it. It was really neat. Yeah, they, they still do that here because I remember seeing that and I was like, what? This is a pizza? Like, what's it doing here? So question for you about that. Let's say you were at home, you made a fresh pizza yourself, your favorite topping to deliver that. If you naturally instinct, how would you cut your pizza? Would you cut it the triangle way or would you cut it the Chicago way with the squares? Yeah, I always cut it the Chicago way with squares. You got to have it. And the best part of the pizza is the tiny little square. You got to eat those first. It's, that's, that's a must. Yeah, I, I knew I'd been in Chicago a while when last week I was making a pizza for my daughters. And it came out of the oven and I started doing the squares. And I was like, what was I thinking? Like, and that's just, it's the better way. So anybody that, wants to, yeah, anybody that wants to give it a shot, look up Chicago thin crust pizza cutting and give it a shot. So Yeah, and I recommend uh, double the cheese and... You definitely got to cut in the squares. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so that, that was our first food um, topic right there. So hopefully we don't go too deep into that, but definitely give that a shot. So um, you grew up in Chicago, came to Phoenix around 11 years old, I think. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, tell us about your family, your current family right now, and um, maybe people don't know who you are or much about you. Maybe throw out some names that people can associate with you um, maybe your extended family or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, Alicia Yates, now Jacobson, is my wife. And she comes from the family of the Yateses. Uh, Hubert and Louise are near and dear to me. Those are my grandparents-in-laws. And uh, Alicia's dad, Ed, and her brother, Adam. All those uh, Yateses and um, Uncle Joel Yates and uh, Patricia and the families, Annette. Um, it's just uh, a big group of people out here that have really taken me in and are very special to me, mean a lot to me. And you probably find out in this interview that I've acquired some of their attributes, such as talk <laughs> about. But we yeah, that's, have, we do have a time limit on this, so we don't want people to get too far. So maybe we'll have to edit some of those uh, qualities out. Um, the gift of gab. <laughs> absolutely. So um, let's see. Uh, you got yourself a couple of kids because I when I was uh, uh texting you about this I said hey make sure that we can get a quiet household and I have a hard enough time with two kids here so 
I have to, you know, give them iPads and bribe them to, you know, stay away and go downstairs. But you have four kids, um, different ages. How did you uh, maintain a quiet house tonight for this? I didn't. I had to leave the house. It's it's amazing of how little peace you can have in one household, especially with four kids. Uh, you know, they're going into their teens and they're being typical teenagers, uh, completely obnoxious and sometimes fighting like cats and dogs. But, you know, uh, it's something that I do love and I know that I'll look back at one day and really um, enjoy all the moments that I have with them, you know, even if a lot of them right now are yelling at them. <laughs> so, yeah, if somebody's listening to this in the, in the far future from now, we're actually under a quarantine right now. So uh, you told me a little bit that you've been working from home like half days and then some days you're at home all day long. So I, I know that for me, for my little ones, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old right now. And it, it's a long day to be in the house all day. So I, I can imagine how it would with four kids and almost teenagers, some of them teenagers, it would be a little crazy. So I'm glad you could get away from that. And uh, we can hopefully record a pretty clean sounding podcast here for you. So um, let's go ahead and do a little, a a quick question before I do my next ones. Um, Does your mother-in-law have any possible ways to listen to podcasts? No, I mean. Does she have the technology to listen to podcasts? Oh, no. Uh, My mother-in-law, Michelle, no. Uh, She still listens or uh, utilizes a, a flip cell phone. So yeah, she doesn't uh, want to have to deal with the technology. And so we're trying to talk her into getting a, a uh, smartphone, but it's not going to happen. But maybe one of these days she'll come around. Okay, well, that being said that, you know, she might get a smartphone in the near next five, 10 years and podcasts do last forever. I'm going to go ahead and skip my next three questions. And uh, we're going to go bypass that right now. So um I was, I was thinking about this. Do you remember the first time you came to a church service at the Phoenix local? Because I remember the first time I saw you there and I was mm. like, what is Gary doing here? Like, cause I knew you from, from Avanti and I just, I remember seeing you there. And do you remember the first time you came into the Phoenix local? I could probably recall pretty vividly the first time that I came here. I think I almost smelt as if I was catching on fire, but <laughs> you know, it was definitely, Boy, that was a long time ago, Tony. But yeah, I kind of recall that. You know, I was very nervous and Alicia was reassuring me that everything was going to be fine and I wasn't going to die. You know, I had a feeling that maybe the Lord would strike me down, but he'd probably be doing everybody else the favor if he did. <laughs> okay, awesome. So was it like a Wednesday night or a, was it a full church service or? Oh, I think it was a Wednesday night the first time that she brought me here. And I can't remember if it was a song service or a prayer service. I think you're trying to get to something here, are you? <laughs> well, just just trying to figure it out because I remember, you know, seeing what is Gary doing here and just kind of thought it interesting. And then if you kind of look at right now, you're sitting in the church that you're a pastor of. It's kind of it's it's cool to see that. So um, uh, if you remember the first time you did that, uh, do you remember uh, how long after that did you actually get baptized into the Church of Christ? Oh, wow. It was a little while after that. I got baptized. um it was 2004. Logan was just a little guy. So, oh, that was probably three or four years prior to that. It was probably 2000, 1999, maybe I came here. I can't remember the exact year that I started coming to the church, but I know I got baptized up at the scripture camp um, up at the Yates's Ranch in 2004. Okay. Do you remember who did that one? Yeah. Yeah. It was Hubert. Hubert. Okay. 
Yeah, horse. yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> was it in the horse trough? No, no, it wasn't in the horse trough. It was up the road from the ranch. It was actually at a watering hole. And oh, okay. boy, it was raining like cats and dogs that whole weekend. It was the uh, scripture camp. And that Sunday, the rain actually let up and we drove up the road and found we had a pre-picked watering hole and uh, found ourselves uh, getting in there and it was pretty muddy. And, you know, everything went well, according to the Lord's will. And uh, more or less, uh, you know, it was a very spiritual um, moment for me in my life. And it was kind of comical because as we were coming out of the water, it was so muddy that Hubert and I were getting stuck and we we're trying to pull each other out. And Jim Sr., I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, he he was giving us a hard time. He said, would you boys quit fooling around in there and get out of the water and let's get on with this? But yeah, it was a moment. It was definitely one of those moments you'll never forget. That's cool. I don't, I don't think I was there for that. I'm not sure, but I do remember seeing a picture and from the sounds of it, I think it was, um, I don't know who took it, but it was a really cool picture. It was probably Logan. Somebody was holding Logan and it was Logan's head. And then in the background was you and Hubert and you were getting baptized. So I remember seeing that picture. That was a cool picture. I'm I'm guessing Jenny probably took that picture, but I think she's the one who showed me that one. But so that's what I remember of that. But um, so that was something that you obviously chose. You made the decision. Um, you planned it out. You, you know, were well prepared for that. Um, tell us about something that you didn't have planned, something you didn't prepare for. Tell us about uh, your calling into the ministry. Uh, when was that and how did that go? Well, I was, uh, boy, that was, yeah, that was another uh, life changing moment. And kind of leading up to that, you know, I was coming to church and I really appreciated uh, all the brothers and sisters that are brothers and sisters now. And back then it was just the people that were supporting me and, you know, um, getting to know me. And so I was basically coming here and helping out with the landscaping, mowing the grass and stuff like that. And it was 2010 and it was the Phoenix reunion. It was a Sunday and uh, it was Jim Jr that stood up and called me to be a priest. And boy, I instantly was flooded with emotions and I started crying and I didn't know what to make of it. But at the same time, uh, you know, I knew my nothingness when it came to who I was and, you know, how God is and how powerful he is and how he can take somebody and he can turn them into something that he needs them to be if their hearts are open to do that and he'll have that ability to show you all kinds of wonderful things and to give you all kinds of blessings in your life. And it's just, it was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, I had a hard time with it at first. Uh, I didn't know what to think of it, but you know, through much prayer and uh, counsel from the Lord and my brothers here and sisters support, um, I knew that it was right. I knew it was something that the Lord called me to do. That's cool. I've, I always find it interesting to to talk to ministry that didn't grow up in our church because that's kind of uh, most of the people, you know, in our church probably grew up in the church, were born in the church, were raised in the church. And uh, they it was kind of assumed that they were always going to be in our church. They didn't really have to make the decision to do I believe in this gospel? Do I want to get baptized? It's kind of when do I get baptized? Not should I join this church? It's kind of assumed that you're going to join the church um, on most occasions. but uh, I just like to hear, you know, especially people who are in the ministry that you grew up totally different and this wasn't even on your radar. So I find that interesting and I do appreciate that. 
Uh, and I'm happy that that happened. Um, I got a little something I wanted to add to that, Tony, and uh, I think you'll kind of get a little bit of a kick out of this. I actually um, remember that uh, prior to that Sunday service, I was walking along the back here and I was just using the restroom and coming back to the pew to be a part of the service. And it was before the service actually started. And uh, Brother Buzz Brickhouse, he was kind of walking by me as I was going along back to my pew. And he just stopped me in my tracks and he said, hey, there's this light just emitting from you like this white light. And I was like, kind of thinking to myself, oh, this guy is kind of different. <laughs> but that was then I was called and, and, you know, he stood up as a witness. It was really something. And it was, you know, it gives me goosebumps to this day thinking about that moment again, as I recall it. But it was very interesting how you have brothers in the gospel that see those things as well. And, you know, and actually have the courage to speak up and say something that they think is God of God and in a godly manner approach you and say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing right now. It was really at, interesting. At that time, had you have talked to Buzz before? Or was that your first? If I talked to him, it was probably something that was just more along the lines of, hey, how you doing, sir? You know, it's nice to meet you. Because Hubert and Louise Yates, they brought him in and, you know, that he would be over there. But I never really had an in-depth conversation with him. That's really cool. Yeah, that's that would be hard on his end to to approach somebody yeah. to do that, too. So that's that's a really cool that would, that would make you feel good about the whole situation during that time. So that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That was great. Um, uh, let's see here. So yeah, we talked about that. And then, um, so I don't know if you know this, but I've always considered you to be one of my mentors for many years now, and I've enjoyed watching your life's journey throughout this time. Um, who do you consider a mentor to you in the church? Like who, who have you looked up to? Who do you um, consider your mentor? Oh, I look up to a lot of people. Um, I would have to say uh, Bob, um, Bob Hedrick. Bob yeah, because he's probably one of the only ones that actually kidnapped me. And uh, it was when I was getting married, I was engaged and I didn't really know Bob either. And he picked me up over at my mother-in-law's, now mother-in-law's house. And uh, they took me out to the desert and um, did a special thing for me. But uh, ever since then, you know, Bob has really uh, been in my life and uh, cared about me deeply and kind of uh, was a mentor to me all all my life since I've known him. And also, I would say uh, Joel Yates is definitely uh, somebody I look up to. Dwayne Ely, uh, your your dad, Brian, I look up to all those guys and, you know, really think highly of them. And then there's some of the elders, such as your grandpa, Don, you know, I really just, when he was... Um, preaching all the time. I'd really listen intently to him because he had just had so much knowledge. Um, and there's so many people that have a huge amount of knowledge here that I really focus on them and see um, how they act, how they carry themselves, the things that they do, and try to follow after that. And I know what's good about that is that they're following after Christ, just like us all. And I think that's the key. And that's why we're drawn to people like that is because Christ is the one that we're all following after and we're all trying to, you know, portray the things that he taught and the things that he showed us. So, you know, overall in the end, it's Christ is um, all of our mentor. That's true. Yeah. That's, it's kind of cool to see who everybody kind of just, you might have a natural draw towards somebody and it's kind of cool because a lot of those guys I've looked up to as well. So 
but just so you know that you are, you know, one of my mentors too. So well, thank I'm you always, there. I'm always watching. So, and I, I remember vaguely um, getting kidnapped by, I think you as well too. I think you told me we were going to go to Portillo's. Mm-hmm. And then when we took a couple of very wrong turns, I was like, okay, we're not going to Portillo. So that, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll leave that there. But um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so you just got, you said you were, you were called in the ministry. Did we talk about your, your next calling? Was were you called to an elder or what, how did that go? Yeah, I was called to be an elder too. And that just kind of fell in place, you know, after um, being an assistant pastor, I think it was for four or five years, four years. And uh, was called to be an elder as well in 2016. So, you know, it was just one of those things that as the kids grew up, as I matured, as I matured in the gospel, as, you know, I grew with my faith and my trust in God and, you know, God had shown me things and uh, I had plenty of uh, experience with the church. I think that God knew I was prepared to be able to fulfill that role and. You know, it's kind of interesting because um, some of the folks were starting to get up in age and move on to other things. And I always think of it as if the torch was being passed and God, you know, puts you in places and in situations and gives you challenges all the time. And I thought that it was my time to be an elder. And so, you know, it's something that I really uh, didn't even think twice about now now that I was already in the ministry. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, I'm going to tell you a little story, a short story about myself and a situation, and we'll see if uh, how it compares. So I remember there was a time in my life where I had moved away from Phoenix and um, Phoenix's weather, and I had moved to um, just outside of Baltimore, in between DC and Baltimore. And I was working for the airline I still work for right now. And I was um, uh, training, I was in a program where I'm training all different parts of the airline industry. Uh, and I was currently on the ramp. So I'm doing, you know, stuff on the ramp, which is on the ground, loading the bags and all that stuff and pushing the planes out was one of the things that we were doing. And there was a time where I was sitting, I think it was like my first week in Baltimore and I'm sitting on a pushback, those big trucks that push the planes back. Um, keep in mind, those planes are around $120 million and have about 175 people on there. Uh, and I'm sitting on this open pushback and it is dumping snow. And I'm looking up at this huge plane and I'm in this truck. I've never driven anything close to this in my life. And I remember just sitting in there thinking, how did I end up here? What is going on? I, I should not be doing this. They, somebody else should be doing this. These people on this plane, I, you know, I could do something horrible and hurt these people and I could destroy a $120 million plane. And I just was kind of, in a snowstorm thinking like what brought me to this point in my life? And I came a little overwhelmed. And uh, when I think of your journey and I look and see, you know, where you came from, where you were that, that young guy that was at Avanti and um, you're always talking about, you know, going to the lake and going snowboarding and all this cool stuff. And I, I kind of see your journey here and I kind of parallel that to me sitting in that seat thinking, what am I doing here? What's going on? And then I look and see that you are now the pastor of the church. And I kind of, do you have that moment? Did you have that moment where you didn't know what was going on? And when did you understand that I just got to do this or has it been comfortable the whole time for you? 
It definitely has not been comfortable. Um, you know, there's always the growing pains as you're going into stuff like that. But I love the example that you has set there for this whole topic of discussion, this portion of it, because yeah, it's, it's exactly what you just said it was. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, there's a responsibility that comes with it that you never think that you're capable of fulfilling. But, you know, the Lord, if your heart is open to him, he gives you these opportunities. And one of the things I told my wife, Alicia, was that if the Lord opens up this opportunity and does it in his, this, this congregation votes me or nominates me to be a pastor, I will definitely do 110% of it to my best ability. And that's because, you know, it, it's almost emotional that uh, thinking about everything that the Lord has blessed me with and turned me into something I never thought that I would be or that I could do. He has done it and he has proven it to me over and over and over in my life through all the struggles, through all the difficult times. He has been there for me. He has taken me to new places. He has shown me things that I thought I would never do, that I could never do. And, you know, all those accomplishments that were to glorify him were done because of him. And, you know, it's something that he has taken care of my family. He has taken care of this church and there's nothing that I can do to pay him back, but give him the best of my service that I can. And if he thinks that I can fulfill that uh, responsibility, then I'm going to do everything I can to do that. So it's definitely has been a trial and it's definitely got all of its challenges, but at the same time, it has its rewards too. And that's to be able to glorify God and see his work being done. Great. Thank you. I, that's great. I, I enjoyed that. That was, it was kind of cool. I just was, I remember thinking, wow, this is, I, I kind of didn't know what to do and I knew what to do. But I didn't know what to do. So that's cool that you kind of already had thought about that and you already, you were like, Hey, this is what happens. And you probably had a little bit of a, a little bit of a knowledge that it's probably going to happen. So um, I, and from what I hear, I'm, I'm still a member of the Phoenix logo, but um, I haven't been there for a while because I'm kind of living around the, the country right now. But uh, you're doing a great job um, from what I can see. And uh, if anybody says anything different, then, you know, they can come talk to me about that if they want to. Um, so, so right now we're in the shelter in place. Uh, how has being a pastor changed during this time? Because you, you guys have been in pl- sheltered in for about six weeks now. It, in my opinion, I would think that, oh, there's no church going on. Uh, I, I don't have to do quite as much. But I just know that when we were trying to set up this interview, um, I don't think it's been, it's been less work for you. I, but tell me, tell me what you think. No, it's actually definitely been quite a bit more work. It's, um, something that, you know, I definitely know that my main responsibility is the preservation of the church and the continuing of the edification of the body of Christ. And so, you know, there's a lot of responsibility in that. So just to try to be able to feed the flock, so to speak, through all this time has been um, posing its own challenges. You know, we have technology, just like I'm talking to you right now, we're probably more than 2000 miles away. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we could be so far, but yet so close. And that's one of the things that I started thinking about was, you know, what can we still do to be able to get the word of God out to his children? And, you know, with the technology that we have here, the streamline, uh, the live stream, I'm sorry, and the Zoom capabilities and getting people together and to be able to share testimonies to where they can hear each other. It's definitely been something that has been a growing experience, a learning experience, and we have grown from it. 
And the Lord shows us these things. He's opening up all kinds of new opportunities for us. And we're taking advantage of that. And we're learning day by day with this uh, coronavirus going around. It's just, it's difficult. But at the same time, you know, when you come into trials and tribulations in your life, that there's always opportunities to be a light for Christ. And we have been accomplishing that. And I'm very thankful for the abilities that we do have to be able to still reach out to the people. Yeah, that's, I was thinking that same thing with, we're lucky that there's the technology has uh, skyrocketed over the past couple of years to be able to do this because five years ago, I don't think that um, Zoom or anything like that would have been able to handle all this. It's it's really cool. I know I've tuned in um, to some of the uh, services around and uh, I think it was last week I tuned in, turn, tuned into the Zoom service in the church. It starts a little late here in Chicago. We're about two hours different right now. So it starts about nine o'clock at night for me. So that kind of gets into putting the kids to bed and everything. But we definitely tuned in with Zoom. Uh, and I enjoyed it because we got to see people around the country. And uh, I, I do want to apologize if, if it was an issue. But uh, both of my daughters wanted to get on there and wave. They would see people. They would see their grandparents. And uh, I know it was a little bit of a distraction. But I think, you know, if we were in church anyways, they'd be distracting anyway. So I didn't feel too bad about it. But I know I do apologize. Somebody didn't like that, but I was just thinking that maybe we do a, a zoom with everybody with young kids and we can just hold our little kids up like lion King and they can see each other. And uh, maybe not that, but uh, they did enjoy it and they liked seeing everybody. And I enjoyed seeing um, like Riley and his kids and everything. I just think it was a cool, a cool uh, meeting for everybody. And I, I, I like to do it and maybe um, more so, uh, do that with maybe some of the younger people with the kids and everything and kind of maybe have somebody read a, read a story or sing funny fun songs with them or something like that. So just to put a little something else in your, uh, in your back pocket there. Well, I already uh, can beat you to that. I was talking to one of the sisters that runs the young kids uh, Sunday school. And what we're looking to do is put together a zoom scavenger hunt for the little kids. And I was reflecting back with, it was Jenny Yates and I was reflecting back with her of, how Bob used to take us out and take us paintballing out in the desert. And we'd be a bunch of guys running around shooting each other with paintballs and having a bunch of fun and having a blast. And then there would be a moment of seriousness that Bob always gathered us in, told us something related to the scriptures or to God. And then we go back to having our fun. And I thought it would be a really good idea if we did that with the, the young ones, the four or five year olds and, whoever else of the young kids would like to join us and to be able to do a scavenger hunt and just let them go crazy on zoom for a half an hour and have a good time, you know, yeah, because, they, would, they would go crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they need it too, you know, that they need to be able to release and to be able to see each other and just make funny faces and scream at each other. I think even I would be amused by that. Yeah. We should record that one and, and post it somewhere. Cause that would be, that'd be, a, that'd be pretty fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you're already, I was going to say, especially at their weddings when they're older. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be, that would be fun to fun time. So yeah, count me in and we'll start recruiting people around the country that, that want to do that. So I appreciate that. Um, so uh, real quick, if you had to choose, uh, let's just, let's just divide the church up. I know that our church right now, um, there's the North side and the South side, there's the pews over there. So uh, if you were to pick, who would win in a dodgeball uh, game between the north side and the south side of the church? Oh gosh! Well, keep in mind, keep in mind that you are a north sider yourself. So that's what I was going to say. I am a south sider. 
Yeah. Well, you living in Chicago too. You're a North Sider. Do you know that? That is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the North Side. Okay. So you hear that South Side? Uh, Gary thinks the North Side could beat you guys in dodgeball. So if that does come about, let me know. I will find my way down there and to represent. <laughs> um, uh, but has anybody, uh, I, I'm interested to know about after this comes in place. Uh, I know that you, is there some type of form you have to fill out if you want to switch from the South side to the North side with you? Or how does that get, if you want to, if you're on the South side and you want to switch to the North side, do you have to like request it from the pastor? Do you guys vote on it or how do you do that? Well, you can't do that because there might be an imbalance in the church. There's been times where the South side has been completely gone and we had to put some extra weight over there just to balance it out. Very oh, so yeah. it's weight and balance. I can understand that. Okay. Yeah. So that's good to know. I just, I just know that is everybody's nice and friendly until you sit in there spotted in that Phoenix. Yeah. Local and, I was going to say you, you can get some bad <laughs> stares if you move from the South side to the North side and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's quite the ordeal. And I know that if I came back right now for a, a Wednesday night service, I don't know where I would sit. So I might end up being on the North side. Who knows? But um, well, I'd love to have you in my pew. <laughs> Yeah, so that's it's going to be fun whenever he gets back because I, I'm guessing that first church service back, it's going to be packed. So I, I'm guessing that people are going to have to remember where they sat and all that good stuff. You're um, that. Yeah, that, that'll be great. And I was also thinking the other day, I'm like, uh, you know, we have our podcast network and I listen to those things. Um, I've been listening to hymns a lot more like on YouTube, different hymns that I grew up listening to because I really haven't heard um, these hymns because uh, I don't think that song services and uh, songs before services go very well over zoom. It's kind of hard to get everything going, but I've been listening to hymns like on YouTube and all that stuff as well. But I can only imagine that the first church service back at the Phoenix local, they're going to blow the doors off of that place with how loud it's going to be. So uh, I'm going to request song 304 as the first song he leadeth me to be sung on the first uh, church service back. And I'm going to tune in to make sure I can hear that because I want to, it's going to be, that's going to be fun. So you can do whatever you want, but I'm, I'm requesting that for the first song back. Sound good? You got it. 304. All right. 304. He lead it to me. So right. uh, let's get back on track here. Sorry about that. So uh, in your time, how many sermons do you think you have done? If you can estimate that, it doesn't have to be exact, but how many do you think you have done? Uh, I would have to guess if I was to count how many sermons that I did, it would be about uh, 38.83. What happened with that last one? I'm still working on it. I'm not quite. Done <laughs> it's coming. Okay. I got you. It's going to be the podcast sermon that you're going to do for us. Okay, great. Yes, I appreciate yes. that. Thank you. So, um, so tell us a little more about, about the sermons. Uh, what type of preparation do you do? I know I've been listening to these and some people do it all different ways. What, what do you do? Tell us how you sit down and do a sermon, prepare for a sermon. Uh, so a lot of times when I do sermons now, I basically start praying to the Lord of what I should be um, uh, given to his people. And it's interesting because I'll get little things throughout the week. And usually it takes me about a week to put a sermon together. And when I first started doing sermons, as soon as I knew I was preaching, I'd start studying for the sermon. So that could be a month out. But now it's really um, with visiting with the Lord in understanding through prayer what it is the Lord needs his people to hear. I can put a sermon together in a week in bits and pieces. And then I usually take the full Saturday the day before to really just pray, to be at peace, to get clarity of thought and discernment of exactly how the Lord wants me to be able to 
present his sermon, his message to the people. So I really like it sometimes because as I'm going through the week and I listen to different talk radio stations, some of them are Christian based. Uh, it's almost like the Lord is giving me little plugs here and there to be able to um, provide to uh, the people of this congregation. And it all always just comes together uh, very smoothly for the most part. But I'm sure you've heard me preach before and sometimes it's not so smooth and people are pretty amused by it. But yeah, I, I really love the way that the Lord uses me for his people. Um, a lot of people know that I'm a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, and I really try to uplift people in this world with which we live in. It could be a struggle for a lot of people, and it is. So I always try to bring a positive message. You know, I would by no means say that I'm a historian, but um, more of a motivation type speaker that I want the people to be able to see um, how the Lord could change them in their lives for the better because of what he's done for me and how he's proved it to me. So I think that really is what comes out of me because the Lord's proven that with me. And I want other people to try God and to test God so they can prove it for themselves that he'll do that for them. That That's cool. I like how, how it, it kind of takes a weekend. You don't have to sit and do that. You kind of just let it come to you. And I feel like that, that way you can get the best type of sermon. You can get what's really, you know, you're not rushing it. You're kind of, you have the time to prepare. So I, that's cool that you take the time to do that. Um, so before we get off here, let's just, uh, and just for, you know, my own sake, what are you into these days? Every time I, you know, talk to you and stuff, you were like, I'm into gardening now. I'm into this right now. I know you're always into cooking and all that stuff right now. What, what are you doing right now? Maybe it's different now that you're in quarantine, but what are you doing if you're not at work and you're not um, dealing with past pastoral duties, what are you doing right now? Um, for my physical activity, I go ride my bike and I have a mountain bike and I've been mountain biking as far as I can remember. And I've always enjoyed it. Um, you actually bought a mountain bike with me a long time ago. We got the same mountain bike together. And so I've been continuing that. Um, I put a lot of miles on my bike. I'm doing about 16 mile bike rides right now. I bring the kids, uh, those that want to go that long. And I do shorter rides with them too around the park and stuff like that. I make sure I spend plenty of time on that because it really is my time to be able to uh, release and to be at peace, even though I'm working hard and um, pushing it, you know, it's a different kind of push. And I really appreciate uh, being on the bike and pedaling and seeing uh, the beautiful country that the Lord has provided for us. And I also, uh, I do want to admit I've been trying something new as of lately. You know that I like to smoke meat and stuff like that. So I've done a lot of that. I still do that. I smoke all kinds of stuff, brisket, pork, shoulder, ribs, all of that good stuff, brats. I even smoke brats. But I've been getting into something new lately. And I've actually started making my own sauerkraut. And it's fermenting. And I've made my own pickles. And you know, my wife, Alicia, she doesn't appreciate the sauerkraut so much because, boy, it sure puts out an odor. But, man, I'm telling you, it's fun, and I love it, and it tastes good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So next time when everything opens up, I'm coming down there, and we're going to do a dinner, and we're going to try some of that stuff. So uh, that sounds like it's a, a plan, and I just invited myself over to your house one yeah, more yeah, time. You're welcome. Well, you know you're <laughs> welcome anytime. You're part of the family. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. So um, before we let, let you get out of here, would you like to nominate somebody to do a podcast 
interview or podcast sermon or both, hopefully, because we're trying to build this up and we're trying to get more people out there and we're kind of letting the ministry point us to different directions. Uh, do you have anybody in mind that you'd like to hear from? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, you know, one of the people that have been my heart a lot lately is Andrew Brown. And I think it would be great to be able to hear him uh, and his thoughts, uh, where he's come from, some of his experiences that he has had as of lately. Uh, he's a really neat young man and not so young anymore, but I knew him when he was very young. And he's just been all over the world. And he is a very, very faithful person. I think he'd be great to be able to do a podcast with. All right. So I'm not sure if he listens to this, but uh, Andrew Brown, you are going to be my next victim. So Gary, if you want to give him a heads up, if not, I'll just give him a call and we'll figure it out. So um, before the last thing, anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off? I just uh, really appreciate what you guys do, man. This is awesome. I was a little bit nervous at first, so I apologize for that. But, you know, coming around and talking to you, see what this is all about and see what you guys are trying to do. It's just amazing. And I can't wait to see how you guys grow, to see how many people you guys reach out to. This is going to connect people in so many different faraway places and near in so many different ways. So you guys are doing a lights out job. It's amazing. And I thank you guys for that. All you guys that are putting your time and your effort into this. It's for a worthy cause. And I can see that you're doing it because you want to get the Lord out there to people in his gospel. And so keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. All right. This has been an interview with pastor elder Gary Jacobson from the Phoenix local. And this is Tony McAndrew signing off. Have a great day.